0: Fill out the form, come straight to us. You can also leave us a voice message if you want to leave your thoughts on audio, and it may be played on the air, who knows. Let's go ahead and get into our topic for today. Quite the lovely, lazy day here on this Wednesday. Casual Talk Radio is back on. My name is Leister. I'm your host. If you're new, welcome to the show. Today's episode might intrigue some of the longtime folks, because I haven't done this in a while. The last time I did this was my Carl Sagan episode early back in the archives at casualtalkradio.net. I do highly recommend you check out that episode because there are a lot of truths that Mr. Sagan, prior to his death, understood. He came to a realization and he was more enlightened, I think, than many people give him credit for. So I figured today's episode was a great opportunity to revisit another book. This one, it's not necessarily about the person more about the topic, and I'm not going to focus on the book matter other than one section that the author wanted to call attention to as part of trying to understand his topic. The book is called Lies My Teacher Told Me by James Lowen. Everything Your American History Textbook Got Wrong. Now, this is available on Kindle if you're into digital books. I buy the physical book because there's nothing like the feeling of a physical book, but I do highly recommend this book. Lies My Teacher Told Me. Check it out. It is available at every major bookstore. Hasn't been banned yet. Hasn't been burned yet. It's probably only a matter of time, but I think this is good. But I want to talk about something that was called out as part of the evaluation of what is considered relevant, what is considered unbiased, what is considered worth your time in terms of reading materials. Inside the book, he makes a statement, quote, An early page of Mississippi Conflict and Change armed readers with 10 questions to ask of historical sources. We pointed out that writers' ideologies and locations in social structure usually influence what they write. At the same time, we noted, any author may write the truth, so the reader must sift through his or her words, separating truth from falsehood. This, I wanted to simply provide these 10 questions and talk about them, because in the context of today's society, We all know what we're dealing with. We're dealing with fake news. We're dealing with a world where it is difficult to know what source to trust. We're dealing with a world where the information may not be accurate. And I said in one of my past episodes about the demise of newspapers that I believe social media is part to blame. The information that is being pushed to you. And if you're new, in summary, what I said is content, information has become a product and it's pushed to you. This is why if you get a brand new computer and you open up the browser, the first thing you're inundated with are a bunch of news articles designed to trigger something in you. Somebody got shot, somebody got ran over, somebody just went to jail, something that is designed to trigger you and they know what they're doing because they know you're going to be tempted to click in. And the moment they got your click, they track that you were interested in that topic. They then will store information on that computer designed to feed you additional information around said topic because they believe that that's going to keep you hooked and you're going to keep coming back for more. All of this traffic allows them to serve you ads. The ads are how they generate revenue in a world where they're not doing pay models. In the paper newspaper world, we still had ads, but it was much easier to skip them. It was much easier to discard them. In a digital world, not so much. They know that. That's why I've always advocated not to get hooked on the digital media so much and instead embrace physical forms of media because the more you embrace digital media, the more you are trapped in the matrix that is. Some people don't want to listen to Leister here at Casual Talk Radio, and that's fine. Hopefully one day you'll wake up and realize, you know what, he's right. I'm trapped in this digital world where information is being pushed to me. I'm trapped with all these ads being shoved down my throat. I'm seeing weird emails show up in my box for those that still do email, like I do, that seem to be correlated to something I might have looked at weeks ago. Something's kind of sketchy here. Yes, it's because you're being tracked all over the web. Now, with this tracking and with this information push as opposed to pull, we also have the problem of a lack of trust of the source material. You don't know what to trust. A lot of the headlines are misleading. They are designed to set off an emotion. As again, again. And it may be a half truth. Is it truly that this black person was shot by unarmed cops and that's the end of it? Or is it that that same black person was trying to run from the police, possibly attack police with a weapon, and in the result of self defense, the police officer shot the black person? We have to put in context because context is how you can make an informed decision about whether or not the topic is truly what it is. The reason that it's so stripped out is because they know headline unarmed black person shot by a cop is likely to trigger your emotional senses. It's likely to set you off one way or the other, whether you laugh or smile or you're angry about it. They know that the stripped out topic is designed to set off an emotion that causes you to do a call to action. If they gave you the truth, which in many cases is said black person was evading police, said black person was argumentative with police, said black person tried to attack police, Even with bare hands, police officer in self-defense, gun was discharged. They know that's not as interesting. They know it's a boring headline. That's why they don't do that. So where am I going with all this? There's half-truths, which is what I just described. You're purposely excluding critical information that adds context to a topic. There's flat-out lies, too. The idea that, let's say, Hunter Biden is perfectly innocent. We know it's a lie because there's evidence out there to the contrary. The idea that Donald Trump did something with some stripper or some porn star, said stripper or porn star denied it ever happened. So the stuff that's going on in New York, you know, is a bunch of garbage. These are things we know, assuming you went digging. January 6th, we know, was something different than what was portrayed. There's evidence out there floating on the interwebs showing that, by and large, it was a peaceful protest. Unfortunately, there was a small subset of people that went too far. So is it true that people smashed windows? Absolutely. Is it true that people, quote, invaded? No, because the Capitol and other government buildings are actually public. That's why it's called the public service. Public buildings are accessible. You do have to go through security, but they are accessible. You can go into these buildings. You just have to have the appointments and da 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 So my point is you have those situations where the truth is being slanted to support a narrative. Then you have a flat-out lie. I'm talking a bold-faced lie. It's not true. There's nothing to it. Absolutely not the truth. Great example. Way back during the Obama administration, when Obamacare was the whole big thing, Obama openly said multiple times, you like your doctor, you can keep him, period. That was not true. That was not true. He also said, No taxes, there's no tax on this. You know, we're paying for it other way, pay for the taxing the rich, there's no taxes. Then turned out there was an excise tax that was baked into it. And then he said, Well, we gotta pay for it somehow. That was a bold-faced lie. He lied flat out. So there are those where it's a flat-out lie, half-truths, slanted truths, all out lies. How can you distinguish? How can you know which is what? It is these that I wanted to talk about with these questions that you can ask. And these are not definitive. You'll have to make up your own as you go, but they're a great start point. Quote, when and where did the author live? So the author in this context may refer to a, a work of art book or something, may refer to some sort of a news article, may refer to something that they say on social media, may refer to some TV something. When it says when and where, let me give you an example. Do I think it's appropriate necessarily that somebody from Stanford, Connecticut has any right to be talking about what happened during the Civil War? Maybe, depends. How old are they? Did they live during those times? Were they exposed to it? Were they affected by it? I would trust Dick, Mr. Dick Gregory may rest in peace and statements he would make over somebody that lived in Stanford, Connecticut, the vast majority of their lives. Doesn't necessarily mean I dismiss what they're saying. I'm saying that there are certain people we know were directly there and directly influenced and impacted by the event, and thus their credibility is likely higher than somebody who's just making a statement where they never lived it. They were never there. Question number two, quote, For what purpose did he or she write? Which audience did he or she have in mind? Let's take some sort of a news article. Let's say this is an opinion piece, which unfortunately many news has blended opinion into the news let's say it's an opinion piece a straight opinion piece and this opinion piece says that the current president joe biden as i record this is one of the greatest men ever because he did xyz let's say that that's the statement the opinion we have to ask ourselves what's the what's the basis why why would that person say that and what's the timing of it when there was the 2020 election or leading up to there were many things put out that were in support of Joe Biden, even in some cases in complete disregard to his current vice president, Kamala Harris, even in disregard to the people that were ostensibly vying against him, like a Bernie Sanders in the world, there there was much of this that was in promotion of Joe Biden, even though there was no background other than the fact that Joe Biden had been vice president under Obama, who was a popular president. There was no foundation to anything that was said and much of the negative information was suppressed during that time. Instead, the news media, by and large, focused on negative information put out about Donald Trump, negative information put out against the people that were running against Joe Biden, and only positive information about Joe Biden. Even when he would verbally say things that were absolutely concerning or troubling, even when he was doing troubling behaviors, those were glossed over. It's like, yeah, it doesn't matter. He was the vice president, da 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 That was the mantra. That was the story. That was what was going on on a constant basis. So you got to ask yourself the question, why are you writing this now? Why are you writing this glowing piece about this person now? Do you have some sort of ulterior motive to the timing with which you're writing this popular piece about this person? Go back to when Time magazine did that whole thing of Madam President with Hillary Clinton when Hillary was running against Trump. Why are you doing this now? And why are you doing this before the election? Because they wanted to sway people's opinions. They wanted them to believe this and accept it and promote and support that. And unfortunately, it didn't work. But the point is, it was obvious that there was bias, lean bias in place. Because no matter what you thought about Donald Trump, what Time Magazine was doing could have influenced the election to the opposite. And that's not what we should do. So we knew that their motives were not in your best interest. Quote, What was the author's social class? Goes to when you have news pieces or even so called celebrities or notable people who try to speak about the oppressed. Let's say Black Lives Matter versus All Lives Matter versus Blue Lives Matter or something else. Is it fair that somebody who's making millions and millions of dollars who has never supported any cause of any kind should support Black Lives Matter? Maybe, but I wouldn't expect Warren Buffett to support Black Lives Matter. Maybe he does. I've never seen him speak out about it. His social status does not support that kind of initiative. So if he came out and said, yeah, I'm Black Lives Matter, deep, 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 I would question it. And I would think he's jumping on a bandwagon. This goes to bandwagonism. You're doing it because you want to look good in front of the public, not because you actually really truly believe it. It reminds me of, you know, transgender rights. Yes. If we talk about Bruce Jenner or now currently Caitlyn Jenner, so Jenner, he goes and says, you know, okay, this is what it is and this is what we're doing, meets with the president at the time, and then all of a sudden it falls out and gets pissed off and it's this whole big fear. Well, what do you support? Do you support it? Do you not support it? Do you only support it when it benefits you and you don't support it after that? That's bandwagonism. That's what that goes on. Quote, what was his or her race, sex, gender, and age? Age. Age is the most important one of that, but let's back up to race. There's nothing wrong with somebody who is not the same race as a certain topic to speak about said topic. There's nothing wrong with this. I think where this is coming from is you've got to look at the big picture of why that person feels the need to speak about the race in question when they're not the same race. What is your motive? What's your alternative motive? Again, they can speak about it, but you have to dig beneath the message. Is their message valid? Question it. Challenge it. It's not, I'm saying don't just blindly follow it because it might sound good. Vet what they're saying. If they're spitting out facts that make no sense and you know they're talking out of the side of the face, maybe they're not credible. Sex slash gender, I think, plays a big part in things like feminism. Men can speak about feminism while we care to. Men could have an opinion about feminism. Women could have an opinion about feminism. Women can have an opinion about chauvinistic men or pigs or something else. Absolutely. But is it possible that their sex slash gender plays a part in the messaging behind whatever it is they're saying? Here's a great example. If we take feminism as a perfect example of this problem, the definition of feminism has been butchered over the decades. Feminism was never about hating men. Feminism was always about making sure that women had the fair opportunities and that women were treated equally and that women were not mistreated under any circumstance and that women had a voice. It was never about hatred of men because many men are actually feminists themselves. They support equality for women. I speak for myself when I say I love nothing more than to see women succeed in all things that they support. I am a traditionalist though. I do believe that there are certain role-type things that women are inherently good at. Genetically, they're good at these things that I think that they should welcome and support and not think of them as suppressing because I don't think they are. That doesn't make me any more or less of a feminist. It simply is my opinion on it. This idea of feminism as we currently define it, wanting men to walk around wearing skinny pants, I don't believe is the right answer. So if we see opinion pieces that just promote the idea that men should dress up like women and men should act soft and men should not be manly and all these different things. Is that simply because of your gender only? Or maybe it's because you're not the gender where you can resolve what's really going on in feminism in the other world. Age plays a factor because as we know, generational gaps play a strong part in a different perception of where we are. Here's a great example. today, It is an oversensitive society. We take things that used to be just a joke and we want to be offended. The older generations are not so triggered off these things. The older generations taken in our stride. We remember the Richard Pryors of the world and we didn't get overly offended by the vast majority of what he said. We remember Red Fox. We remember you know, regular comedians and them making jokes or just regular on the street or movies. Movies would say things, we wouldn't get set off. We understood it's entertainment. Today, people find things to be offended by. This largely leans the younger generation. We're finding things to be offended by. We're finding things to bother us. We're finding things to be angry about. We're finding things to be sad about. As a result, people are censoring what they say. Too much tiptoeing and censoring around what you say causes fragility in the workplace. Fragility in the workplace lends itself to lower quality, as I've spoken about on past episodes, where you simply can't get the quality of service you once were able to get only because people are so overly sensitive. They're tiptoeing around everything and they're too busy trying not to offend people and not busy enough simply focusing on the work. I told stories about my endeavors, my first endeavor. there, When I walked in the door, we're, we were dealing with some really bad personalities and those people were gone. Now we're doing this major project and it's nothing but sensitivity. Nothing but sensitivity. Two basic things. We're talking basic words that don't, they're not directly insults. They're not directly anything. There's nothing about race, creed, color, him, nor her. It is simply, you guys suck at your job. Let's get back on track because we got a deadline here. Things like this back in back in my day would have been taken as inspiration to step up your game because we were all competitive. So now I'm saying that the older generation appreciates what that means. We take it in our stride. Many that have retired will recall, I worked hard for the money that i made. i worked hard for my pension. I worked hard for the benefits I now enjoy. And I'm distressed to see the younger generation getting overly ticked off and they can't be half arsed to learn how to count change off the register. So they're constantly screwing up orders. This is the reality when age plays in that age gives a different perception of quality, different perception of the state of things, different perception of whether you get offended by things. That's where that plays. Very strongly, too bad. Number five, quote, what were his or her basic assumptions about black people, white people, Indians, or others? And we'll probably wrap it at number five, and we'll revisit the other five in the next episode, but this is one of the more important ones. When we say the basic assumptions, You've heard it. I know you have. Quote, I got black friends, so I'm not racist. Or, yeah, I love I love Indians and Asians. I work with them all day long. Or the idea that all black people are thugs or that all black people are less educated or that all Asians are A-star students or that all Indians, none of them can speak clear English or all of these different inherent biases that we have unfortunately, redefined as unconscious bias. It's not unconscious. It's right on the front of our mind. The truth of the matter is we don't recognize it for what it truly is, which is at the end of the day, we believe certain things about certain people, some of which comes from that very same media I talked about at the front of the show. The media influences you to a certain thought process. This has been going on, though, for years. The difference is, we were not seeking to be offended by things that were presented in a entertainment fashion. We treated it as entertainment and we didn't let it set us off. And for the most part, when we were ridiculed, we didn't get set off to the point that we would just go and create a whole mission off of it. Like if you think about Apu off the Simpsons, nobody really accepted that every single person of a certain race acted a certain way. However, it could not be denied back in those days. Largely, when you went into 7-Eleven, this is what you saw and this is what you experienced and they just put it up in the forefront. We took it for granted. We said it's what it is. Truth, though, there are very intelligent people in every race. There's sometimes stupid people in every race. The equality has to do with competency, not anything else. So when you see something on the entertainment, on the screen, or on the media, on Comedians, or whatever it is. And you create these mental pictures of what you think somebody acts like based on the way somebody that you see on the screen is acting. Let's say Kanye West. Are we really saying that we think every African American acts like Kanye West? If you've been listening to me this long, you would probably argue that I speak better than Kanye West could ever think of speaking. This doesn't come from higher levels of education than anybody else, it comes from years of being in the workplace. And being challenged to step up my game above my peers in respect to how I talk to people. So I've tried to master the communication so that I come across clear and eloquent. And I think I've done a good job. To the point people say, you know what? I understand what you're saying better than anybody else. Why? There's only one answer it has nothing to do with what my race is, it has nothing to do with what my gender is, it has nothing to do with what my age is and everything to do with motivation. Motivation to do something. That is what separates me from everybody else. That's what separates people. Certain people are motivated to be better than what they are. Certain people are competitive even of themselves to step above everybody else. Some people are perfectly fine kicking back and doing a half-assed job as I've had to struggle with all these different things trying to get the hell out of Nevada. This, I tied it perfectly, yeah? Because everything that anybody's listening for a long time has heard me rant about all has to do with motivation, a lack of motivation out in the world that has nothing to do with their gender, nothing to do with their race, nothing to do with anything other than, I can't even say it's upbringing. I believe it's just motivation. Motivation comes with it within. So if I see something written by somebody, let's say that uh, let's say AOC, right? And she goes out there and she says, you know, we need to ban this over here, the, the Green New Deal, right? We need to ban farting cows and all this crap. I have to take into a perception, what is it that shes that's driving this statement? I know that she's just feeding a bunch of bunk because I know she doesn't believe what she's saying to be the truth because it doesn't make any sense. When we talk about banning fossil fuel vehicles, I know that Greta Thunbergs of the world don't know what the heck they're talking about. They're going off faulty data because they want to sound good to people that are weak minded like them. That's the truth. Some people may not want to hear that. That's the truth. They're speaking it because they know there's weak-minded people out there that's willing to listen to them and go along the bandwagon. When the truth is, if you look at the stats, and I challenge you to do this as my call to action to you as I close, if you look at the stats of what people are buying as far as vehicles, you will see that more people are still choosing to buy gas sedans than the current SUVs than the current EVs because people want regular cars because people are okay with fuel and gasoline because people know we're not ready for electric and people are starting to wake up to the truth that the media has influenced them. And by way of this, the car manufacturers are trying to push a narrative. They're trying to get rid of all this. And so because that influence is put out there and you've got them backing it by way of discontinuing all these models that were perfectly fine. Now, what does it do? It changes our society in a way that, causes the inflation to be worse upon you and I because those now cars we have, these SUVs and big honking things, and EVs are in many cases twice as expensive as the cars we had before. I told the story on an early episode. I bought a Mustang brand new off the lot for 19 grand, and now you'd be hard-pressed to find a car brand new off the lot for less than 25 grand. What does that mean? Obviously, there's more technology, certainly. But in many cases, it's simply the variety of what's available as influenced by the media, as influenced by these people who know there's weak minded people out there. So in summary, these questions are things that you just heard me talk through. What's really that person's motivation? And yes, age could play a factor. Yes, gender could play a factor. Yes, race could play a factor. Yes, social status, current and past could play a factor. Yes, where you were raised, where you live, all of these things like you really are scrutinizing the background of the person talking. My background is on the podcast description. It's clear. I have heavy technical degrees. I also have customer service experience. I have audit experience. I have business process experience. I run my own business, have done for years. This is who I am. But I also enjoy Talking to folks. I enjoy communication. It's what I like. I know many people today don't like that. I do. That makes me no better than anybody. It makes me different. The difference only is motivation. Motivation to get up and do a thing. So, on the next episode, we'll cover the next five. And if any part of this has been interesting to you or hit you with an aha, let me know. Casualtalkradio.net slash contact. Fill out the form. I read every each and every one of them. I promise you. That's all we've got here today on Casual Talk Radio, Gentleman's World. Hopefully it's been informational, educational, and helpful for you. We upload every Monday and Wednesday, so we'll be back for our next episode. Whether you're a subscriber or not, we appreciate you for dialing in today. We know you've got choices. We will be turning back on our guest cadence. We are doing the screening process that's coming very soon. Keep up to date with what we're doing at CasualTalkRadio.net. You can also subscribe at the bottom to get alerts whenever there's a new episode posted, or you can add it to your platform of choice. For now, take care and I will see you on our next upload.